Coming up on podcast 1883, the unstoppable rise of EVs on a global scale. The Alfa Romeo Tonale and the Aria gets cheaper. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Welcome to a new Patreon producer. That'll be you, Greg. Now, you can sign up to Patreon if you want to. Uh, Greg Palmer has done that as a producer and support this show. It's how I make a living, actually. And a little mention on Patreon. So it's the start of the month. Many of my Patreon supporters would have been billed. Uh, check your cards, make sure it went through okay. Uh, recently, Patreon, Patreon started charging people from the day you sign up, whereas in the in the old days, in the old days, uh, it was you could sign up on, say, the 15th of the month and you wouldn't get charged until the first month, the first day of the next full month, as it were. So you got to half a month free. Uh, but uh, but they've changed that now. So pretty standard subscription stuff. You subscribe to anything and you pay on the day you subscribe and then you renew on that day. Uh, I guess that's good because they were renewing literally every possible patron on the planet on the first day of the month. Their billing must have been a nightmare. Um so I can't say that everyone will get billed, but hopefully uh, you'll notice that because we paused billing in July, if you remember, on well, for about two weeks over the turn of the month in July uh, to apologise for me being away uh, and, and the podcast being intermittent, uh, which I felt terrible about. Right, let's talk a little bit about EV sales in Europe, first of all. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've not done the beginning bit. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, 3rd of August. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. Let's talk about EV sales in Europe. Tesla continues to lead the pack in Europe, with Volkswagen coming back strong in June, because we have to wait a little while to tally all the numbers up. So this isn't July's, it's June numbers. Europe saw about 311,000 plug-in vehicles. It's almost a 50% year-on-year increase. The share of plug-in vehicles in the European market was 25% in June, 17% full BEVs. So those are the two numbers you need to know. 17% of the car market here in Europe were full BEVs. 17! I think lots of people don't realise it's that high. And 25% had a plug socket on the side. Tesla's Model Y, Model 3 with the first and second spots respectively in the month of June. The Model Y became the best-selling EV in Europe for the eighth consecutive month. Model 3 has had a bit of a wobble. Elon Musk always said he thought the Model Y would be the more popular vehicle. Volkswagen's ID4 was in third, the Fiat 500e and the MG4 in fourth and fifth, respectively. Other notable performances, Skoda Eniac and the Renault Megane EV. Tesla leads the automaker ranking with a 13% share here in Europe, followed by VW and uh, BMW and Mercedes in third and fourth. If you look at the groups, as it were, so put all the brands together. Volkswagen Group is easily the most popular uh, group manufacturer here in Europe with 20% of the EV market, then Stellantis, then Tesla down in 13, but still in double figures, which is very good because Tesla only have two cars they sell. Well, um, two cars and two niche ones. Uh, let's talk, though, about the global the global scale. And this article from Clean Technica points out that the global plug-in registrations was up 40% year on year, June to June. 1.26 million EVs were sold in the month of June globally. Plug-in vehicles account for 19% of the overall market, 13 ABEVs. This is global. This is the global automotive industry. And 13% were pure BEVs. Yeah, driven a lot by Europe and a lot by China. Uh, the US is really driven by Tesla still. Ford and GM are making up the numbers. Um, but 
this is globally, 13% full bevs, 19% have a plug on the side. So the next time your crazy uncle on Facebook says, oh, well, I've read that hydrogen's the future and battery electric vehicles just employ child labour and they all go up in flames and no one's buying them. I have no idea what they're talking about. They think they're not popular. One in five cars sold on the planet had a plug socket on in the month of June. That That's just the numbers. I don't think anyone outside of you and I, because we talk about this stuff all the time, don't we? There are so many people in the wider world that just don't know how big EVs have become and still see them as this kind of niche, weird, kind of crazy thing that might not catch on one day. It's just not even in doubt. Anyway, the global automotive market is in what Kling Technica call the electric disruption zone. I love that. Nearly one third of global registrations have a form of electrification in. So if you add another million sales of plugless hybrids, <laughs> uh, then but you know, but a third of the vehicles have some sort of some form of battery. Uh, year to date, it's slightly lower because we can see that it, the market is growing rapidly. So year to date, it's fifteen percent, not nineteen percent. Uh, and so by the end of the year, it might be I don't know twenty four, twenty five percent. Tesla Model Y, Model Three were the planet's top selling EVs in June. The Model Y was leading significantly. Also doing well was the Wuling Bingo, the recently introduced BYD. Seagull and the Lishang L7. <laughs> Cars you may not have heard of. Uh, looking at registrations, BYD leads the way, followed by Tesla and Volkswagen Group. And that is amazing. I love those figures. Love looking at the European numbers. But when you get the global numbers, it's just amazing. It's on a micro scale. You might look around your town, your city, your environment. Uh, you might look at the local news. You might not see a certain type of EV where you're listening around the world. You might not get a certain brand selling in where you are. You might not see a certain type of DC fast charge. You might be living in a charging desert. All these local factors affect your perception and, and you know, your friends, your family, your workmates, your colleagues, the people who write you know, uh, opinion-forming media, whether that is the newspapers or blogs or whatever – they, everyone has their own perceptions guided by what they're seeing every day. But what you can't deny is those numbers are just huge. And there are still people that think the EV revolution isn't coming. It's here. It's been and gone. We're just, we're firmly mainstream now. Let's talk a little bit about Volkswagen's next partnership in China. Because you know I told you about Audi doing a deal. Then I told you about VW doing a deal. Well, now they're doing a third deal with Leap Motor. This time not buying a platform, but according to Chinese media, uh, VW are buying in technology. So it's not like the Xpeng agreement. Uh, VW might actually this time purchase uh, a platform, uh, a technology, not a platform from Leap Motor. This is for their Jetta brand. Now, I know Jetta as a car, Jetta is a brand in China. They've used that name. It's VW and FAW. And uh, they it's the electronics architecture named Four Leaf Clover. And they uh, might be using that architecture rather than an entire EV platform. So it's a system on a chip. It's a micro microcontroller, the CPU, the central supercomputing unit for various systems like the cockpit system, assist driver assistance, powertrain, and the functions of the vehicle as well. Ah, I think like over-the-air updates and stuff like that as well. VW's joint partner, FAW, has prepared an internal document indicating the Jetta brand will now solely focus on low-cost EVs in China. The next three years will be crucial to the development 
of that. While German cars have excelled over the years in China in terms of hardware, they are lagging the local domestic makers in software and intelligent systems. So not surprising that a big German maker would have to do a deal with one of the domestic Chinese makers that understands what a Chinese buyer wants, because there are subtle market differences to what EV buyers want around the world. Let's move on. And Subaru is accelerating their EV plans, targeting global sales of 400,000 EVs per year by starting in 2028. The shift to EV has been faster than Subaru expected and anticipated, particularly in the United States, where Subaru customers tend to be a bit more environmentally conscious, a bit more forward-thinking, a bit more open, you might say. Or tar all Subaru drivers with the same brush, but I think they're a, um, an in, a Subaru driver tends to be a kind of more of a uh, interesting thinker kind of person who, who drives a car that isn't particularly typical and uh, you would normally have some other interests outside of, uh, um, you know, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Subaru plans to start in-house EV production in Japan in 2025 with a capacity of 200,000 vehicles a year, a dedicated EV production line in Japan in 2027 to add the same again, another 200,000. Whereas in the United States, Subaru's biggest and most profitable market, they'll start localised production uh, around 2028. The Indiana assembly site is one option they could use, I guess, but uh, I guess they might do other options or perhaps a partnership. Subaru will be using Panasonic's cylindrical cells. Of course, Panasonic are making 4680s, and they'll roll out, they say, eight full electric Subarus. I mean, I didn't know that Subaru had eight models, but they're going to have eight full electric Subarus by 2028. That's double their previous plan, I think, off the top of my head. It used to be four, now it's eight. I mean, I hope they fulfil this, and it's not just hot air and, and, and you know, saying things to keep people happy, because let's face it, Subaru's longtime partner is my favourite, Toyota. Uh, they, um, <laughs> they will be building their next three-row crossover in Kentucky in 2025, and uh, called, it's not called the BZ5X but that's kind of what it's called at the minute. Uh, the only electric vehicle Subaru sells in the US is the Solterra, made by Toyota, of course. And Toyota owns a big stake in Subaru. Now, let's talk about the Alfa Romeo Tonale. This is the all-wheel drive plug-in hybrid, and it's the bellwether vehicle of Alfa's transition to their all-electric future. It still does have a small engine and a 121-horsepower electric motor. How uh, have a 15.5-kilowatt-hour battery in the Alfa Romeo Tonale Veloce with 33 miles of pure electric range, starting in the US at $49,000. All right, let's talk about uh, the Porsche Macan soon, uh, BMW's next-gen driver assistance, and Kawasaki going EV on two wheels. Stick around. Back in a sec. Well, you know by now I exist to filter hundreds of EV stories into what I think, the editorial decisions that I make, I think are the most important discussion topics, not always the ones that might be on the front page of EV websites, but the ones that I think uh, you want to know about and I'd like to talk with you about. And hopefully that saves you time because in you know, 15, 20 minutes, and sorry that this week yesterday's was 28 minutes, must waffle less, um, that, that saves you time. And that means that you're fully up to speed without spending hours a day surfing for EV stories. Let's talk about Saab now. The ex-Saab engineer's electric dream, NEVS, or do I say it NEVS? The Emily 
GT. Great name for a car, the Emily. An electric sedan developed by ex-Saab engineers. Looks like it's found a buyer. The Swedish automaker Saab had financial difficulties and was rebranded as New Electric Vehicle Sweden, NEVS, after being bought by the Chinese. They carried on working on projects, one of which was the Emily, a four-seat BE. V and they were looking for a buyer and it appears they found one. If it gets funded, the Emily GT could go into production in less than two years. They showed it with a 175 kilowatt hour lithium iron battery pack, four motors, almost 500 horsepower, 600 miles WLTP, and also a more powerful version coming as well uh, with almost 700 horsepower. Now there is uncertainty about what the production version would be named, Saab is still around. Saab is a military aircraft company, um, started building cars in 1947, a Saab automotive. Uh, took back its name after GM exited, and it's unclear if Saab AB would allow Saab automotive, but we'll wait and see. It'd be so cool if Saab came back, wouldn't it? Now, spy photos have given us a glimpse of the Porsche Macan in the best shots I have ever seen of this vehicle. And it's going to be a massive seller. Now, you think the Porsche Taycan, I see loads of the Taycans around, and uh, more than the Audi e-tron GTs, to be honest with you. And if you think that the Taycan's done well and that it has had great sales numbers, you wait to the Macan. That is a segment that is just going to fly for Porsche. And I think they've got it right. And it looks different to the Macan that you will have seen for many, many years now. Quite an old vehicle, isn't it? I mean, I like the combustion. The look of the combustion Macan is nice. The EV Macan it goes on sale next year. I think we're about a year away from it. I, if it was next summer, I think we'd be pretty spot on. Uh, the images show minimal camouflage now. It's low. It's not a big vehicle. It's not a Cayenne. It's low. It's squat. No front grille, obviously. Haven't got to suck in oxygen to make it go pop bang many times a second uh, you're not exploding anything so you don't do the air coming in so nice slick front headlights on a split array with the upper running lights mimicking the di- design of the Taycan that design language runs through the Porsche brands this car was delayed because of VW Group grappling with software however the spy, show- spy shots with very little camouflage to indicate to me at this stage of the vehicle's development it's normally about a year away uh, we've been seeing these prototypes for a long time uh, they've tried to put fake exhausts on them or make it look like the Cayenne or cover up the actual rear uh, slope of the of the vehicle uh, but it's uh, very much a uh, the, the back of the vehicle that the, the silhouette of that is it really is quite cut off at the back as well much more so the Macan EV and the Audi Q6 e-tron will of course be kissing cousins let's say that uh, being built on the same PPE premium platform electric art- architecture uh, Macan will have the upper hand though with more power over 600 horsepower in the dual motor configuration than the Audi Q6 e-tron that'll have a bit less Macan EV I would think features rear wheel steering maybe as an option like the Type on and uh, the 800 volt architecture for fast charging now uh, here's something that i might get massively wrong the tycon will peak at 270 i have heard from mm, reliable source that they with the improvements they're making to the platform that with the mccann they would love that peak number to start with a three even if it was 300 kilowatts charge speed um i know it's it's a 10 percent increase which is very very decent and that's still massively fast and but wouldn't it be a psycho- psychological thing to have that car peak at 300 and something kilowatts that's not 
in any way official. But I think that's what they're working towards. Right, let's move on and talk BMW's next-gen LiDAR with InnoViz Technology supplying, and that is their partners, for the next-gen LiDAR sensors in their electric vehicles. It will first show up in the i7 to bring true Level 3 autonomy, uh, like the Mercedes-Benz cars. Level 3 autonomy is hands-off eyes off driving normally up to a certain speed uh, and it's what many of the car makers are eventually aiming towards to take out the human intervention uh, side of it you still have to be in the car and you have to be present and available to take over at a moment's notice tesla's been the leader in autonomous vehicle recognition if you like they get all the credit i think from the wider public they don't use lidar and sensors in their vehicle elon musk said that anyone relying on lidar is doomed however bmw believe that lidar is crucial in developing autonomy so does volvo so does mercedes-benz and well actually pretty much everyone else apart from elon musk if he gets it right he will have scored one of the massive wins of his entire career if he can solve autonomy with vision only uh, let's move on. Now, Kawasaki is debuting their electric motorcycle. Uh, the first EV street bikes are ready to launch. The Ninja E1 and the ZE1 are beginning their homologation, with Kawasaki announcing the bikes last year uh, with 11 kilowatts. I think they're turning up, though, with 9 kilowatts, according to the filings uh, that we found in Australia. Uh, the weights are 135 and 140 kilograms for those two bikes, and the company said that the two 12-kilogram batteries that power them would be removable to add three kilowatt hours of energy. Uh, it's a pretty small battery for an EV motorcycle. I understand if they're worried about weight, and that is very understandable. Um, but mm, three kilowatt hours isn't the most, is it? So uh, wait and see if that is true. It's not an official spec from Kawasaki, so we'll, we'll wait and see on that. The big four motorcycle makers in Japan, Kawasaki, Honda, Yamaha, uh, Suzuki, they've been slow to go full EV when you think about it. Companies like Zero Motorcycles, Harley-Davidson, Italian Energica have all stolen a bit of a march on them, uh, if I'm honest. Now, let's talk about the Nissan Aria getting cheaper in the UK. It now starts at 39.645 for the Engage Trim 63 kilowatt hour battery. Great car, the Aria. I don't talk about it enough at all, really, and I really should do because it's one of those blind spots for me. Um, and I don't know why the Aria uh, is. I think it because when it launched, it was so expensive that I forget there are now cheaper trims and what have you. And yeah, the the entry level model still has a load of technology. It's got a heat pump as standard. It's got wireless Apple CarPlay. It's got all of the kind of toys and convenience things that you'd want with all of the you know the fancy climate control and all the autonomy bits and bobs and the one-pedal driving and um, all of those things that I think Nissan are really good at, it comes even on the basic spec. Uh, then you've got the Advance trim and the Evolve trim uh, in 63 kilowatt-hour uh, batteries. And then they've got the bigger battery, 87. And if you go for the... Regardless of battery size, so even on the small battery, even the small battery, uh, if you go for the Advance or the Evolve trims you get access to 130 kilowatt DC fast charging. But if the battery's the same, why can't I get it on the base engage trim? That's quite rare for only unlocking faster charge speeds if you go for a higher spec, even though the, the hardware is the same. Skoda did it, didn't they, um, with their 
NEX. Anyway, and then you've got the uh, the big battery one uh, all the way up to the E-Force one, which is the E-Force big battery um, Evolve, which is £59,000. Um, or I'd like a new Nissan, please. What do you want to pay for it? £59,000 for a Nissan. I think that... that it, I don't know. They're trying to move the brand, aren't they? More premium. Just seems like a huge amount of money. But as a base one, 40 grand. That base, 63 kilowatt hour, engaged spec Aria. Really good value. Um, it has a 7 kilowatt onboard charger. Uh, if you get the big battery one, you get the 22 kilowatt three-phase onboard charger, which, again, is really, really good for some European countries that have tons of those three-phase posts around on AC charging. Two more stories. Tesla introducing some new features over the air, uh, which will adjust the speed of the air conditioning during uh, phone calls. Uh, other cars have done this for years. One of those things that Tesla is just sort of catching up with, like the new headlights on the Highland Model 3. Um, they'll finally catch up. I think they're doing the finally the Matrix LED headlights uh, that the rest of the world has had oh, for about a bazillion years. Uh, so, yes, other cars have done that, but it's good they're doing it. And you can also reposition the backup camera as well to adjust the camera feed using the touch screen and you can turn off the pedestrian warning system you can pause it if you know if you're doing a ton of city driving at 15 miles an hour you don't want the constant noise if you've got your window open you can pause that sound there's no pedestrians around and finally byd's denza brand is rolling out the d7 it's an suv first model released by denza after its restructuring it was a 50 50 thing between mercedes-benz and byd byd have taken the stake now 90 uh, percent owned by byd and the n7 is a five-seat mid-size suv right up against the model y and the id4 in china and um, they had about 11 12 000 orders for that in the first 24 hours that they launched it and it's finally being rolled out to customers and that's your podcast for today thanks to our premium partners phil roberts of electric future porsche of the village in cincinnati audi of cincinnati east volvo cars of cincinnati east national car charging on the u.s mainland and aloha charge in hawaii Derek riley and his channel ev review ireland is changing or rather it has changed nevo ev review ireland youtube channel uh, so from now on in the show notes you'll see it Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel thank you so much uh, Octopus Electroverse global public charging made simple with one app and one map and least plan electric moments have a good one tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid